Hi everyone, this is the Supported Sobriety Podcast. I'm Matt, and I'm in recovery from an addiction to pornography. And I'm Katie, and I've been married to Matt and supporting him in his addiction for four years. We created this podcast to bring hope, healing, and greater understanding to both men struggling with pornography addiction and women who support someone struggling with an addiction. I upload episodes for men with pornography addictions. And I upload episodes for the women who are supporting their loved one. We share real stories from members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but anyone is welcome to listen, and we believe everyone can benefit from finding peace through Jesus Christ. We hope that this podcast can bring you closer to Jesus Christ and help you on your journey of recovery and healing. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Supported Sobriety. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Katie, and I am so excited to be on the podcast today. I'm honestly still a little bit nervous about speaking and sharing some of my thoughts over the podcast. It's a little bit nerve-wracking, but I think it'll keep getting better and better as we keep practicing. So just hang in there and keep sticking with us. Hopefully this will get a little bit better. I just wanted to introduce myself again for those of you who weren't able to listen on the last one. And I have been thinking about some things that I could share that are kind of personable, that you'd be able to connect with me over. But honestly, like I am just in the mom life right now. And I think that's probably something that a lot of you can connect with, actually. So I I have two kids. My oldest is about 20 months old. His name is Ellison. And then I have a two-month-old named Ezra. So that's just kind of my life right now. I wake up early with the kids. Actually, to be honest... (laughs) Matt wakes up early with the kids. I wake up a little bit later when Ezra wakes up and I nurse him and we feed the kids breakfast and we just kind of have a nice day hanging out, keeping the kids alive and happy. Um, Ezra is still really little. Ellison is still pretty little and doesn't fully understand the concept of no hitting or no stepping or no sitting on his baby brother, so it feels like most of the day Matt and I are trying to keep Ezra alive because Ellison's a pretty big boy and he kind of will be kind of aggressive with Ezra. So we're still trying to learn how to teach him not to do those things and put him on in timeout, but I don't think he fully grasps the concept yet, so we're still trying to be patient with that. But they are both so cute. We are just so in love with them. And I honestly love being a mom. I love the mom, mom life. And it is kind of uneventful, especially with COVID and the restrictions right now. But we, Matt and I, are just having so much fun staying at home with the kids. And I love all the family time that we've been able to have. So that has been really fun for us. Something that we've loved lately is going on drives. Matt and I just got a new car for <laughs> for our family. We had this old beat-up car when we got married. So that was about four years ago. We got this car. Matt got in a car crash probably two or three years ago in that car, and the back door, someone T-boned him. So the back door, like, you cannot open the back door. None of the windows roll up. It's very old, and it has a lot of problems with it, but we have been rocking that car, and recently we were able to get a new car, so we've been so excited about that. So we've been going on drives a lot, And it's been great because both of the kids are occupied. Ezra loves being in the car. Ellison loves being in the car. So Matt and I are able to like talk and connect and have some quiet time. So we've really been enjoying that. 
we have also been watching The Amazing Race. I personally have never seen The Amazing Race until probably this month. And I just love it so much. I'm so disappointed that they're not recording right now because of COVID. Because I seriously want to go on there with Matt. Or if I think that Matt would be amazing on the race with maybe like his dad or his brother or something like that. So I am in love with The Amazing Race right now. I'm watching a bunch of different seasons. And Matt and I have been watching White Collar together too, which has been really fun. Um, and I also am a doula. So I have doula clients. I haven't been taking clients recently just because I had a baby. I'm still kind of recovering and I'm spending a lot of time with Ezra while I'm nursing him. And I just haven't been wanting to work right now. But being a doula has been so convenient because I can kind of manage my own schedule and take clients when I want to take clients or take only a few clients every once in a while. So that has been really nice. It's a really nice job for me to have. Um, and I just, I love working with my clients. I love working with women and being in the birth community, especially here in Utah. It's so great. So those are some of the things that I'm into right now. Some of the ways that we spend our time, but we've been really excited to start the podcast and start spending more time on this. And I just think it's going to be something really meaningful, especially for me. Matt has work and he's starting businesses and he has a lot of things going on right now. And like I said, like I'm home with the kids, which is really fun, but it will be really nice to kind of have something else to focus on as well. So been excited about that and to learn some new things about the podcast. So hopefully this goes well and <laughs> that it isn't as hard as I'm thinking it will be, but we will see. I just wanted to start talking a little bit about my purpose here on the podcast. Matt and I kind of talked in our last podcast what we were hoping for as a couple and to help other couples in their journey in addiction recovery and supporting someone in addiction recovery. But I want to talk about a little bit about what I'm hoping for for the women in this group and the spouses and the loved ones who are helping someone who is struggling with an addiction to pornography. In my experience and from what I have heard from other people, there aren't that many resources for the support person or for the spouse. And I personally felt kind of left out a little bit. I felt like Matt was getting a lot of attention and he had kind of more direct sources to go to, like the bishop or 12-step or he had sponsors, things like that. He has the 12-step program. And all those things were kind of more obvious for him to get help with. And I felt like I didn't really get that much help. I felt kind of gypped. And there was one experience that I had probably about a year ago when Matt had been sober for a while and he had been talking to our bishop about it. He was the elders quorum president at the time. So he was pretty open and honest about it in elders quorum or in his Sunday meetings with Bishop. So our Bishop asked Matt to stand up in sacrament meeting one Sunday and kind of explain his story, talk about how he has been an addict, talk about how he's in recovery, talk about the 12-step group, things like that, and just kind of share his history with everyone in sacrament meeting. So Matt gave just a beautiful talk and testimony about his story and about his life and how he's been sober and how he's still recovering and it was really amazing. I was so vulnerable. I felt the spirit very strongly while we were there. And afterwards, 
so many people came up to Matt or came up to me and just said, wow, thank you so much for sharing that. You were so amazing. I can't believe Matt went through that. I can't believe he's been pulled out of it. I can't believe he's so open about it. Things like that. Everyone was really inspired. And there were so many people who confided in Matt or confided in me that they were struggling with the same thing. So that was a really great experience in a lot of ways. But for me, I don't know. I I feel like it's a little bit selfish. But to be honest, I felt kind of disregarded. I felt like Matt was in the spotlight at that moment and no one was even thinking about what I had been through all these years that I was the one who was helping him this entire time. I was the one that pushed him to go to the 12 step. I was the one that pushed him to get a sponsor. I felt like I had been with him through the thick and thin of everything and Matt was the one that was getting the gold star and he was the one that pulled me seriously like along this journey with him and there were so many difficult times that I went through and he dragged me down there and then we both came out together but he was the one that was getting appreciated and recognized and I know that might sound kind of selfish but that's how I was feeling and I don't really think it is selfish actually because there are so many women who are in my same spot whose husbands are getting recognized or praised or helped and these women are feeling disregarded or marginalized and they're really in the thick of it with their husbands and they are just so amazing. I just want to give you all an applause because they could, your husbands could not be doing this without you really. And you should be getting the help and the support and the strength that you need um, to keep going. So I'm really proud of all of you women who are in the struggle right now. Maybe some of you have husbands who are in the thick of it right now. Maybe some of you have husbands who are recovered at this point but either way you are so amazing and so I just wanted to give us a space in this podcast to talk about some of those difficulties that comes along with having a spouse who is an addict but I also wanted to give us a space to talk about our successes and how amazing it can be to have a spouse who has addictions and how amazing it is to see them working through the steps and how amazing it is to feel the grace of Jesus Christ. So both of those things, the difficulties, but also the joys that you can feel in those difficulties. So I hope that this is a place that we can do that. Matt and I went to, started going to the 12-step program together about three years ago, and we, we ended up going to a group where it was a couples meeting. So the husbands were usually the ones struggling with the pornography addiction and the wives were there supporting them. Every other week we would kind of switch off. Like the husbands would do their 12-step addiction recovery manual and talk about it and do the sharing and stuff for the husbands. And then the, the next week we would work through the spouse and family support guide. So I just wanted to mention that. I'm not sure if you know that there is a guide for spouses and family support that kind of goes along with their 12 steps. It has 12 steps just like um, the 12-step program does. It talks a lot about how you can heal, how you can take care of yourself during the difficult times that you're facing with your husband. Um, And that's actually pretty new. I think it came out in about 2017, so not that many years ago. And That kind of just shows you that people are becoming more aware of the spouses during the trials that they're going through. So hopefully this can just spread more awareness and that we can 
feel supported and strengthen each other because that is really something that I felt as I've been through this with Matt. Some of my greatest joys have been meeting the other women in the 12-step group and connecting with them. I felt so much love and so much joy just talking with them and talking about our stories and about our husbands and everything that we've been through. I feel like there's such a great spirit that comes with vulnerability and it's just been so amazing to feel that. So I hope that we can kind of feel that in this podcast and I'm really excited to see how it goes. I think that all of you women deserve that so I hope that we can have a space for that here. So I just briefly wanted to share my history with Matt and what we've been through in our 12-step journey as we've been trying to work through our recovery. So Matt and I met on our mission and we both served in Armenia. I came home a year before he came home and that whole time we were writing each other. It was very casual. It was just pretty friendly. I was dating other people. We never like confessed our love or anything, but we were really good friends and I just admired him in so many ways. So he came home from his mission and we just fell in love so quickly. It was just one of those classic stories of you meet on your mission, you come home, you get married, and now everyone always teases us about being those one of those mission couples and that is just fine because I'm so happy that I met him and we are just so in love still to this day. We love each other so much, so grateful that I was able to serve with him. So special that we were able to share that experience together. But when we were dating, we one time we were at his cabin. He has a cabin kind of close by. So we were at his cabin with his family. We were staying up late and talking. I think at this time we were talking about getting married, if I remember right. So I think we were talking about that. And I felt like I needed to ask him about pornography. That's kind of something that in this culture you probably start talking about before you get engaged or while you're engaged, kind of around that time. So I started asking him about it. I wasn't sure what he was going to say. And he told me that he struggled with it before his mission. And I was kind of surprised by that for some reason. I don't think it's that surprising, honestly. I think a lot of men and women struggle with that. I think it's pretty common to struggle with that before your mission, especially. So he said that he struggled with that before his mission, but he came, he went on his mission, didn't struggle. He was totally fine, came home. He feels like he has it under control. So I'm just feeling like pretty relieved. I asked him, What I thought were pretty detailed questions. I asked him, like, is there anything that I could, like, help you with or anything else you need to tell me or how intense was it? Like, things like that. And he, it seems like he was pretty vague about it. I got the feeling that he didn't really necessarily want to talk about it, but that things were under control. So I kind of left it at that. I was like, oh, great. Glad that's under control. Super glad I don't have to worry about that. So that was kind of how that conversation went. Um, we got engaged, we got married, and for the first year of our marriage, Matt was struggling with pornography. He slipped back into his addiction and he didn't tell me about it. But for that first year, I was asking him, again, what I thought were really detailed questions. I thought I was on top of it. Um, so I was asking him, like, is there anything you need to talk about? Or, like, are you having any struggles? Or is there anything I should know? Kind of things like that things that it was really easy for him just to say no and then move on. And in his mind, he was kind of rationalizing like, oh, well, I just had a relapse, but I'm not going to have any more relapses. So she doesn't need to know. Or like, I'll tell her in two weeks once I haven't had a relapse for those two weeks, stuff like that. So he's kind of rationalizing in his mind. He's lying to me for the first year of our marriage. 
the night before our first anniversary, I felt a prompting to kind of push him and ask him more detailed questions. And so I started probing and he started confessing to me about how he's been lying, how he's been back in his addiction to pornography and other lustful, lustful behaviors. And I was just shocked. I had no idea that this had been going on, especially for so long. Like it, I just felt completely betrayed and confused and heartbroken that my loving spouse, who I thought was just completely perfect, we were still very much in our honeymoon phase at that point, could be lying to me for this whole time. And I just, I was so scared. I felt so hurt. It was a really hard time. Um, But I did feel like I wanted to keep going in this marriage. It wasn't really a thought to divorce him or anything. I felt hope and I felt peace. I felt comforted by the spirit. We talked a lot about it. He said that he wanted to change and I felt that he was really sincere about that. So I really wanted to keep going and I knew that we could get through this together. Um, So we kind of started, I think Matt got like the 12 step manual. He talked to his, we talked to the bishop. We took some steps forward, but he wasn't fully on board yet, I guess. And it's, it's kind of hard to know when you're in that process, when you're doing it for your first time, like what to really expect or what to really look for. So at that time, I felt like there could be more for him to do, but he wasn't ready to do that yet. So I kind of had to let go of those things. Um, so we kind of just started moving forward from there. And that went for about eight months where I thought that, again, he was telling me the truth. But during those next eight months, he started telling me about like one in every five relapses or something. So he would tell me I had a relapse. I was like sad. We would like work through it. And then it seemed like it was a couple months or something before he would tell me about another relapse. So I was like, oh, he's doing great. Like his relapses are going down significantly. But he was just telling me only a few relapses to kind of keep the peace or to kind of like to get me off his trail, I think. So... I, again, didn't know that he was lying to me. So he'd been lying to me for another eight months. We'd been going to the 12-step meeting at this point. And again, I felt a prompting to start asking him about it. And I was shocked. Like, when I felt that prompting, I was like, oh, no, like, this cannot be happening again. I do not want this to happen again. So I was so terrified. I got home. I started asking him about it. And Again, he started confessing to me and I just could not believe it that this was happening to me again after eight months after I thought everything was under control. It was just devastating all over again. And it was even more devastating this time than it was the first time, I think, just because I thought that we had it under control. I felt like we were both putting in so much effort that we were on the same page. I was actually pregnant with our first baby at this time, so I was terrified about having a child with someone who's been lying to me and he'd been lying to everyone at 12 step. It was just really, really scary to kind of see that he could be doing this to me again after how hurt I was the first time. I did not understand how he could just knowingly keep lying to me after he saw what it did to our marriage the first time. Um, So that was something that was really hard for me to move forward from. Um... But after that, we worked through that. It was a really difficult time, but we kept moving forward, kept working through it. And he started being completely honest with me. Something clicked in him that time that 
he just learned that he wasn't going to be able to move forward in our marriage or in his addiction or anything unless he was completely honest with me. And I think um, his lying was more of an addiction than his pornography use even. So I think once he kind of realized that and accepted that about himself, that he was generally kind of dishonest in a lot of things in his life uh, and with me, then we were both able to move forward. So I was really grateful that he was able to accept that and that we were able to figure that out. So he was completely honest with me. He still had some relapses, but he told me about them. We were able to move forward forward from them. And now a few years later, um, we are here today and he's been sober for almost two years. And so we are both just so happy So I am just so proud of ourselves for working through that and um, coming out stronger, both of us, individually and as a couple. So I just wanted to kind of talk about some of the things that were really hard for me during during those years of him lying to me and during those years of him... Um, and when he was in the throes of his addiction. There were a lot of fears that I had that um, were very real and kept coming up for me, and they were hard to work through a lot of the times, honestly. Uh, one of my biggest fears was having kids with him. Like I said, I found out that he'd been lying to me again when I was pregnant with my first child, and we had we had decided to start trying to have a baby because he had been sober, because he had not been lying. And so I felt like we were in a good place, but he didn't tell me we were in a good place. I thought we were on the same page, but we weren't. So I got pregnant and now he's even more scared to tell me that he's been lying to me because what's that, what's that going to mean? So that was really scary that we were going to have kids and down the road, we weren't going to be able to figure this out. He was going to keep acting out and we were going to get divorced or something like that. It was very scary for me to think of that possibility. Um, I was really scared that he was just going to lie to me for the rest of our life and that I would keep having these moments of feeling prompted to talk to him about it and find out that he's been lying to me again. I was really scared of people judging Matt and because it wasn't like our, our marriage was wonderful. There were so many, so many wonderful aspects of our marriage. I loved Matt and he loved me and... There were so many healthy things and so many wonderful things going on in our marriage that, um, that kept us going because I wouldn't have been able to stick through these difficult times if it wasn't such a wonderful marriage. So it was hard for me to think that if we had told people about it, that they would judge Matt or that they would think that he was a terrible person or that he was a liar or that he was a sinner or whatever those things are that might be ingrained in our culture. I felt like there were a lot of people who maybe didn't understand the nature of addiction and how there's so many people who are actually struggling with this. Um, Not to say that it wasn't Matt's responsibility. It is Matt's responsibility. And, um, but there, there are a lot of things that come with addiction that once you get into the throes of it, it's really difficult to get out. So I was really nervous that people wouldn't give him that kind of understanding. I was nervous, um, about not being able to leave him alone because a lot of times he would have relapses when I would leave the house or when I was asleep. So that was really scary for me to think that we were going to have a baby and that I wasn't going to be able to leave him alone with the baby or something because I didn't want him to be acting out while the baby was home. And those things were really scary too. 
And some of my biggest challenges during that time were, I would say probably the biggest thing was, and this is just kind of my personality, but the biggest thing was I just wanted to control the situation so badly. When he told me about his addiction the first time or the second time or whatever, I, in my mind, felt like I knew exactly what he needed to do to get out of it, right? Like, I felt like I knew every step that he needed to take. I could write down a list of all the things that he could do to get better, to get us out of this ASAP so we wouldn't have to deal with this heartache. And it was so frustrating to me that I was like, you need to get a sponsor. You need to go to 12-step. You need to work through the 12 steps. You need to do all these different things. And he just wasn't ready, honestly, to do a lot of those things. It took him a long time to get a sponsor. And it was so frustrating to me because I just couldn't understand how he could say that he wants to get better, that he wants to get out of his addiction, but he wasn't putting in the effort to do that. And that's what was going through my mind. And I just, I didn't understand how he could love me, how he could um, decide to leave the addiction if he wasn't doing everything that it took. So that was something that was really hard for me. I also felt very isolated during these times. It was something that I felt like I didn't really want to talk to my friends or my family about. Again, I think a lot of people really struggle with this more than we think, but being in those moments of feeling isolated. Again, I didn't want people to judge him. I don't want people to judge our marriage. I didn't know how to be vulnerable about something like this. So that was really hard for me. And I felt like the only person I could really talk to about it was Matt. But that was difficult because Matt was in the addiction. We had so much baggage and we had so many hurt feelings already between us. It was really difficult to get the comfort that I needed from the addict himself, if that makes sense. So sometimes that was really hard to do. And I I really wish that I had reached out to people during that time. I think that would have helped me a lot. Um, Intimacy was really difficult for us after a relapse, but also just in general, it was really hard for us to decide like when to be intimate, how to be intimate. I had a lot of hurt feelings. I felt very betrayed. I didn't feel like Matt was being honest with me. And that's not a good place to be when you're in an intimate relationship with someone. So that was really tricky to try to manage and to help us both feel like our needs were being met and also having boundaries as well. And something else that was really difficult was just talking about the addiction. Like I said, I kind of wanted to control the situation. And so when I would bring up the addiction or say, hey, have you been working through your 12 steps or have you thought about getting a sponsor or whatever it is, he would really quickly like catch on to that, you know, and feel like, oh, Katie's going to start pushing me to do something or I'm not doing good enough. So he would quickly get really defensive and then I would get defensive. And it was just this whole cycle where it felt like we were just constantly like arguing about it. And I was always feeling frustrated about it. He was feeling hurt that I wasn't understanding him or giving him patience. And so that was really, really hard to figure out how to communicate about the addiction and how to explain both of our feelings without getting defensive and um, learning how to get our needs met in those areas. So those are some of the things that I thought of that were especially hard for me during those years that Matt was in the thick of his addiction. And honestly, like a lot of those things are still hard for us, even though he's been sober for 
almost two years, we still have a really hard time communicating about it sometimes. We still have a hard time with intimacy sometimes. And we still sometimes feel isolated. There, there are just so many things that just because he's been sober doesn't mean that he's fixed or all of our problems are fixed. We're still working through a lot of these things that come with the addiction. And sometimes that is hard to accept. But that's just, that's what our marriage is right now and probably how it will be. But it's always getting better. We just keep practicing and we have both grown so much. And I just wanted to talk about a few of the things that I learned from these times that we've been through. Um, One of my biggest things, like I said, was wanting to feel in control. So one of the biggest things that I have learned and that I've been trying to practice is letting those things go and kind of just like trusting in the Lord and trusting in the process and trusting in Matt that he was going to be able to work these things out. And I have developed a lot of trust in Matt, just seeing how he has dealt with his addiction and how he's been able to get out of it. That hasn't been me. That hasn't been me pushing him to do it or controlling him or forcing him. That's been all of him. I've supported him and encouraged him along the way. But he has gotten out of it himself, and he's gotten out of it with the help of Jesus Christ. And so really all that I can do is support him and love him and try to understand him while trusting in him and while trusting in the Lord, knowing that it's going to turn out the way that it's supposed to. So I have tried to kind of take a step back and not be as involved or as controlling as I used to be. And I think that will just be different for every couple. Some some couples might need a little bit more of that. We needed a little bit less of that. So whatever works for the couple is what you need to do. But that is just something that I personally learned through that process. I also learned that after he had a relapse, he would always feel really, really bad. He would feel super guilty. He would kind of get into like this depression phase where he would kind of spiral into a depression and it could last for a couple of days or maybe like a week or something. He's just feeling so bad about himself, feeling so upset, so many different feelings. And of course, I was feeling a lot of feelings as well. So it was really hard to kind of manage both of those things. Um, But a lot of those times I would quickly turn to him and comfort him and help him through it and love him and be so patient. And those things are really great. And I think those are a lot of things that helped us in our marriage and to help and support each other. But I did learn that there were times that I needed to take care of myself. And I was—I didn't need to go to his rescue and help him through it. That he was a big boy. That he was able to pray and get comfort and encouragement from other people or find that in himself. And that sometimes I just needed alone time or sometimes I just needed to be mad and to feel hurt and to feel angry. And that was okay to let those feelings sit there for a little bit if I needed to. And so it was, it was interesting to me that I was, I had to learn how to decide when to let those feelings sit or when I would just let them go and move forward and forgive really quickly. So those were two things that I've learned. Um, and I also, throughout this process, have learned a lot about addiction in general. I actually took an addiction class at BYU from a great professor who talked about a lot of different addictions and just the nature of addiction in general. And that really helped me gain understanding and knowledge about addiction and about what Matt was going through. I learned that he 
was not trying to be mean to me. He was not trying to hurt me. He was not intentionally trying to ruin our marriage or something. But this is something that he has struggled with since he was like 11 years old, really. Like, he just had formed these habits when he was so little. And it's something that's really difficult to get out of, especially when it's just been all about dishonesty and about not being able to manage his feelings or understand his feelings and finding ways to manage those better. And that's just, it's very unhealthy, but that's the way that he learned how to do it since he was really little. So I learned a lot about addiction, learned a lot about how to give him some grace and how to give him some understanding. And like I said before, that doesn't take the responsibility off of him. He was doing these things that were not okay to be doing in a marriage for us. He was doing things that were not okay for him and were unhealthy. And just because he's an, he's an addict doesn't mean he gets a free pass or something. But it did help me understand where he was coming from. And I tried to be more gracious and more loving and more patient rather than be angry and... Um, hurt by his actions, even though I did have those feelings a lot of the time. It was very helpful to learn about it and to gain more knowledge about addiction. That also helped me a lot. And the last thing that I was able to learn and gain was a closer relationship to my Heavenly Father and my Savior Jesus Christ. And this was something that was really special to me, especially because Matt and I hadn't gone through something this difficult in our marriage up until this point. I really had to learn how to develop that relationship and it was hard work and it didn't come all at once, but I really, really did feel Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ's love for me and I felt so much closer to them than I had in a long time. Especially at the beginning of Matt's addiction, neither of us had support people, we weren't going to 12-step meetings. This was a completely new territory for both of us. So I had to rely a lot on the Spirit and on Heavenly Father to kind of teach me how to handle the situation. There were so many times when I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to react. I didn't know how to respond. And I just had to pray so much that Heavenly Father would teach me and help me understand Matt and help me understand how to respond to the situation, how to move forward, what to do next in our marriage. It was a lot of trial and error and figuring out like, did this work? Did this work? What does Heavenly Father want me to do with this? And that was a really great experience for me to be able to gain that revelation and figure out how to do that for me as an individual, but also for our marriage. I was also able to learn how to talk to Heavenly Father in kind of a different way. A lot of the times he was kind of my sounding board, especially when I was really angry or frustrated or hurt. I feel like I was able to share those things with Matt, but a lot of times it just felt even better to vent to Heavenly Father almost and just be like, this is so frustrating. I don't know what to do. Why is this happening? Matt is being so difficult. It kind of felt like Heavenly Father was a third party in our relationship. And it was really nice to just kind of talk to him and get out my frustration and tell him how hurt I am and how upsetting the situation was. That was just really amazing to feel him listening to me. And just over and over, every time that I prayed, I felt him saying, I understand. I felt like he knew exactly what I was going through and I knew that my savior knew exactly what I was going through and that was just the biggest comfort to me. There were so many nights that I can remember just staying up crying in the dark in our bed or I went into a different room or something 
And I was just crying and just pouring out my heart to Heavenly Father, just telling him how hard it was, how scared I was, everything that was going on in our marriage and for me. And I just felt so strongly the Savior's love for me. And I knew that he knew exactly what I was going through and he knew how to help me. The only way that I was able to get through these hard times was through my Savior and through his willingness and his ability to support me and to help me and to comfort me. I would not have been able to do any of this if it wasn't for him. There are times that Matt and I talk about our story and our journey, and we talk a lot about things like, oh, going to the 12-step meeting was really helpful, getting a sponsor was really helpful, or learning how to communicate with each other was so helpful. Those things were really great. There are so many tips that we have and things that we figured out that work really well for our marriage. But truly, the only way that either of us were able to get through that was through Jesus Christ and through his atonement. And that's something that Matt and I really want to focus on. And that's something that the 12-step group really focuses on too, which is really wonderful. So I hope that each of you in whatever situation you're in right now can know that Jesus Christ knows you. He knows what you're going through and he can help you the same way that he helped me in the same way that he helped Matt. And I promise that he understands. I promise that he will pull you out of it. And I'm just so grateful that I was able to have those experiences that really strengthened my testimony in Jesus Christ and in the gospel. And one of my very favorite names for the Savior is Master Healer. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the one who has healed me and the one that has healed my marriage. And I know that he can heal you too. He is our great master healer. So those are just some of my thoughts that I have been having as I've been thinking about our history together and about this podcast. And again, I just really hope that you will feel supported and encouraged by listening to this story. Since Matt and I have been more open about our story and about everything we've been through, there have been a lot of women who have reached out to me who have said that they are going through the same thing and how grateful they are that I have shared my story with them. And in turn, they share their story with me. And some of my greatest joy is by serving each other, loving each other, learning how to minister with each other. And I'm just so grateful for everyone who is willing to listen to something like this, but who is also willing to share. So I'm very excited to hear everyone else's stories and how you have found healing and recovery um, in whatever stage you and your spouse are in. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to rate and review this podcast as well as share it with everyone you know. For information about the church's 12-step and support meetings, please visit arp.churchofjesuschrist.org. We encourage everyone to find a sponsor or support person. If you have any questions, feedback, are looking for a sponsor, or would like to be a sponsor, please contact us at sobrietypodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for more guests, so if you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed, please contact us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.